0: Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience, unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another special edition of the Mary Jane Experience. If you were following along our last podcast, we said that we were going to take the month of July off, and then some shit went Down. Went down pretty fucking heavy. Um, Unless you've been living under a rock, you've noticed that there are widespread protests across the entire nation as a result of yet another unfortunate uh, murder at the hands of the police to a marginalized member of society and a member of the black community. So we decided we have a voice and we cannot be silent in these times. So we're going to use our voice to extend and uplift the Black Lives Matter protests. As such, we have partnered with Strawberry Sequoia. You want to tell us what's going on, what you worked out, and what's happening in the world?
0: So we're going to start out our Amplify series where we amplify black voices in the cannabis business. In the cannabis space, if you have a story, a voice, a business, we want to help you amplify that because we believe in equality in this industry we think we have the opportunity to make the best industry possible so we partnered with last prisoner project to kick it off with a raffle We are, raffle tickets are only $1 and we have a ton of incredible sponsors donating prizes like My Bud Vase, we have a ton of CBD from Moon Mother and Tarot CBD from beauty to medicinal, we have books, we have apparel, the whole shebang.
1: We've even got dab rigs.
0: Even dab rigs, three dab rigs from MJ Arsenal. So, all these great prizes for just $1 you enter to win... And all of the proceeds go to Last Prisoner Project. Last Prisoner Project is working to get every single cannabis prisoner, nonviolent, out of prison and re-entered into society with a job in cannabis or anywhere that people want to have a job. So oh, sure, we wanted to ask them, A, about the war on drugs and its disproportionate effect on black and other minority communities.
1: Quick to jump in there. The war on drugs is <clears throat> based in racism. And Always we've covered that uh, when we went to South by Southwest last year. Um, so the war on drugs is a war on um, the black and brown masses. And that, and we're just not okay with it because it affects our industry. And, and it creates bad light around what we're trying to improve upon. So... We're going to support the shit out of ending that.
0: Exactly. So we talk about that, how that happened, how it's still happening to this very day. We talked to Last Prisoner Project about how they are going to use this money, how their efforts go from clemency programs to right now they're doing a lot of effort getting people out on compassionate something release, compassionate release, because of covid Um, which is basically a death sentence for somebody who maybe just got caught smoking a joint when they were on parole. So we go through the whole gamut, where your money is going to go, what they do, and even what you can do if you can't afford to donate. Um, There's tons of other avenues for people from writing a simple email to volunteering. So we go through everything with Last Prisoner Project. We highly encourage you to, even if it's just $1, one ticket, it really does matter. So head on over to our marketplace, maryjaneexperiencecom slash marketplace, and find yourself a raffle ticket, and hey, you might just win a bunch of really cool prizes too.
1: So like we've done in the past with a bunch of these interviews where the information is just so good. And it's a great story. We're going to let it play through. But Strawberry Sequoia set it up for us. Who did you talk to at Last Prisoner Project? Um, We know what we're going to talk about. But give us a little background. Set this up for us.
0: I spoke to Sarah Gersten. She is the executive director of Last Prisoner Project. So she is very well informed on everything that goes on there, all the laws, and all the history. And she's
1: their general counsel. So she's not not smart (laughs) when it comes to law.
0: Um, great person also to reach out to if you have any questions so really excited to share this information and again thank you so much for your support if you've already bought a ticket we've raised over 700 dollars at this point and the raffle is going on until june 30th
1: there you go so without further ado here is strawberry sequoia talking with sarah gerschen of the last prisoner project
0: what's up everyone this is the mary jane experience i'm strawberry sequoia and i am here today with sarah gersten sarah is the executive director of last prisoner project we're doing a little fundraiser in the form of a raffle with them so we wanted to dig deep and see where your money's really going and and learn about everything we can sarah thank you so much for joining me
2: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me and thank you to the Mary Jane experience for donating, but also being a platform to help, you know, bring education and awareness to these issues. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Um, We think it's the most important thing we can do and with the resources that we have at least. So um, I thought we'd start out, you know, just for anyone who might not be as educated or aware, if you could just explain to us the way the disproportionate impact the war on drugs had on minority groups and you know just a little bit of of history there for us
2: absolutely so you know I spend a lot of time in this space kind of digging into the history of these laws you know really starting with cannabis prohibition um, you know through the Reagan era and the war on drugs and it is very clear when you actually look through things like the legislative history, um, comments from lawmakers at the time, supporting these laws, that there was racial animus behind each of them. Um, You can very clearly tie both prohibition and the broader war on drugs to a desire to control uh, black and brown communities. And we've really seen that same desire to control and marginalize these communities continue, obviously, right up to present day. Um, Despite widespread legalization, despite some movement in terms of decriminalization of not just cannabis, but other drugs, we still see a huge disproportionate impact in terms of who's arrested um, on drug charges. But that disproportionate impact moves all the way through our justice system. So black and brown communities are much more likely to be targeted by police. They're much more likely to be arrested. And then as you move through the system, those rates actually increase. So they're even more likely to be convicted and even more likely than that to be sentenced and sentenced for longer sentences for nonviolent drug offenses.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy when you start even looking at some of the basic statistics how unfair things are and especially in the cannabis ind- or not necessarily industry but you know looking at cannabis arrests and the fact that you know white people black people we all kind of smoke the same amount of weed and yet who's in prison black and brown people so I wanted to ask a little bit about the current state of affairs as far as incarcerated cannabis prisoners go And maybe even touching a little bit on um, COVID-19
2: and and the risks that are are involved there as well. Yeah. Um, So broadly, we still have over 40,000 individuals just in the US incarcerated on cannabis offenses. Um, We actually think that number is low. That's based on FBI data. But there are a lot of short-term facilities, so jails, um, that it's really hard to get accurate current data that reflects who might be incarcerated at any one time on a cannabis offense. Um, So, and, you know, we've done a lot of work trying to work with local counties, sheriff's office to get that data. Um, And it's just, there's a real lack of transparency here. So essentially, we say 40,000, but even that is really a low estimate on, at this point in time, who is currently incarcerated on cannabis offenses. And obviously, those are, you know, a lot of the folks we work with, they're incarcerated on life sentences for cannabis. Um, But we also have folks, again, in these short-term facilities that make up a huge segment of this population who maybe they, you know, got caught on a violation of their parole for just possessing a joint. You know, so that's another huge issue. Is once you've been impacted by this justice system, it's incredibly hard to re enter society, rebuild your life, and move on from that because there are so many ways the system works to put you right back into detention. Um, and right now is just an incredibly difficult time for anyone who's incarcerated. Um, COVID still, despite you know states starting to reopen, presents a huge risk to our incarcerated community. Um, the conditions of confinement inherently do not allow for the types of social distancing and you know public health precautions that we've all been taking to try to mitigate the spread of this virus are. Um, correctional facilities are overcrowded they don't have access to basic hygiene basic supplies Um, so it you know we know and we knew when COVID started coming um, and spreading in the U.S. that once it hit correctional facilities it would spread like wildfire and now unfortunately we've seen that happen Um, some correctional facilities like Rikers Island or Cook County Jail actually represent some of the biggest global hotspots in terms of infection rates of this virus. So this is you know, 10 times more than places like Wuhan, China, that we kind of think of as the global epicenters of this virus. Um, so it kind of shows you just how dire the situation is in these facilities. And I think a common misconception people have is well, these people are in confinement. You know, there's no risk of them spreading the virus outside of these facilities. That's completely wrong. Um, we have staff, correctional officers, healthcare providers coming in and out of these facilities and back into the community. So this is not just a risk for our incarcerated communities, but it's a risk for all of us. Um, and the easiest way to try to mitigate the risk of the virus spreading in facilities and then spreading back into the community is to decarcerate, to get folks out of correctional facilities as soon as possible.
0: Do you think at this point, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because I really hope the answer is no, <laughs> but do you think it's, it's gone to the point of no return? Do you think it's too late?
2: No, not at all. I mean, I think we certainly have facilities again that have seen just huge spread of this virus. Um, But we also have facilities where, you know, we maybe just heard about a case, um, a positive case in that facility, or there haven't been any positive cases. But of course, we're still every day worried that that's going to happen. Um, I'm working on a case with a client in Terre Haute, Indiana, at the facility there. And when I started on the case, Um, in May, there were no positive cases. And then by the end of the month, they had three positive cases and an inmate had died. Um, So there's still very much an urgent risk in these facilities. Um, And we need to keep fighting and kind of not forget about the risk that COVID is posing to our incarcerated communities and keep working to get folks out. Definitely. The fact
0: that you can be incarcerated for a small nonviolent cannabis crime and that now with covid it can be a death sentence is just i mean it's horrible it's terrifying um you know and i was just i was talking to my mom who smoked weed you know 50 years ago and the likelihood we were just kind of discussing the likelihood of her buying weed or interacting in some way with somebody that's incarcerated is actually kind of high um it's somewhere along the chain there so she immediately donated to, <laughs> to the raffle. Um, but, you know, there's no way of knowing how, how you may have interacted and, and been a part of somebody else's incarceration in, this, in cannabis if, if you have used or bought anything on the black market.
2: Um, Absolutely. And, I mean, big shout out to your mom and please give her our thanks. But, yeah, I think if you're in this industry or you're a cannabis consumer, we all know that could have been us, right? I think obviously, because this plant is still federally illegal, we're all at risk in some way. And so, for anyone to kind of put a judgment on the folks that we work with, um, if you're in any way tied to this plant, um, is just incredibly hypocritical. We all could have been in that same position. And I think for many of us, the difference comes down to the color of our, of our skin.
0: Exactly. So we've talked about the raffle, and we're giving 100% of ticket sales directly to Last Prisoner Project. Can you explain what you do and and how you do it, uh, how that money will be used?
2: Yeah. So as I mentioned, right now we actually have a, a COVID relief program. And so we're actively funding things like getting donations to our constituents' commissary accounts. Um, A big thing that I think people don't know that I mentioned is that there's a huge lack of access to supplies in these facilities. Um, But sometimes you can purchase things that might help you to stay safe from the virus from your commissary. Um, Another thing is that we still have some states that require uh, incarcerated individuals to pay a copay for health care and even for access to testing right now. Um, So, those are things we want to make sure our constituents can afford. Um, We're also in the midst of the most restrictive federal lockdown of federal correctional facilities um, that we've ever seen. We had been under lockdown because of COVID for months. And now, due to the protests, um, the Federal Bureau of Prisons has instituted an even more restrictive lockdown. So, you can imagine at this time, I know for me, I've been leaning really heavily on my family and being able to connect even virtually with my, you know, network, our incarcerated community, our constituents really can't do that right now. And they're very restricted in how they can interact with their family members, with their friends, with their loved ones. Um, You know, there's no visitation. So ensuring that they have the funds to make phone calls, um, send emails, that's a big part of what we're actively doing right now. But beyond these kind of urgent relief efforts, obviously a huge part of what we do is working to get folks out. Um, So we have a couple legal programs that we do that through. Um, The first that sort of ties into our COVID relief fund is our compassionate release program. This is something that we had started because under the First Step Act, which was a recent federal criminal justice package that was passed. People like our constituents that have nonviolent drug offenses might be eligible for release basically by saying, you know, times have changed, policy around drug reform has changed. The sentences that were meted out under things like a three strikes law or mandatory minimums just don't comport with our current notions of justice and fairness. Um, So there's opportunities for release there. Now with COVID, when people think of compassionate release, generally you think of someone getting released because they're elderly or they're sick. Um, And so obviously COVID represents an urgent health risk for anyone that is incarcerated. So we're seeing a huge opportunity um, for compassionate release. So a big part of what we do is we match people that are incarcerated for cannabis offenses with pro bono attorneys to try to get released through compassionate release. That's one program. Um, A much broader program that we're working on, you know, constantly pandemic or no pandemic is our cannabis clemency program. Um, And clemency is basically getting release through an executive power. So either a state governor or the president. Um, And basically what we've been doing both on a state level and working with the White House is crafting a category of clemency for nonviolent cannabis offenders so that anyone who would be eligible under this criteria would get released. And so rather than kind of taking on cases on a case by case basis, the goal is to really create broader systemic change that leads to many more people getting released.
0: Very cool. I didn't know about that second one. And, and another thing that um, I've heard you guys do is, is re-entry programs as well, correct?
2: Absolutely. So a big part of our mission and values at LPP is that the work does not end with release. Unfortunately, in this country, even though you might be physically free from incarceration, you are really not truly free once you come out of prison, um, a criminal record can create a barrier to your reentry in so many ways. Restricts access to employment, to financial assistance, housing. Um, so that's a huge issue. And then again, you know, there are all kinds of barriers that our constituents face just trying to rebuild their lives, reconnecting with their families, um, dealing with you know the trauma that comes from being incarcerated. And again, you know, a core issue is around employment. So we provide reentry services that both go to things like record clearing, providing some of those wraparound services or help with financial assistance with transportation, um, access to housing, things like that. Um, but a big program that we've spent the past year really developing um, is our Prison to Prosperity Program. And that's designed to actually get our constituents employment in the legal cannabis industry. Um, We do that by working with companies like Bankst, uh, recruitment platforms in the industry that can actually help us place candidates in positions, as well as providing mentorship um, for things like resume, uh, editing interview skills, kind of those general employability skills. Um, we pair our constituents with mentors to help with that. And of course that helps folks, whether they want a job inside or outside of the cannabis industry, just kind of setting them up for success, um, on the job search.
0: Definitely. I think that's so important to note is, is the re-entry because everybody's kind of excited about get people out that's so important and it is but you can't just get out of prison and then start up a normal life again it it takes time and help so I'm glad you guys focus on that as well so we have a raffle obviously you're always accepting donations we're doing $1 raffle tickets to keep the price really low with just $1 you can help donate to this cause but what are some other ways, if, if donating is not at all in your budget, what are some ways that people can help um, that are non-monetary?
2: Yeah, so if you go to our website, that's lastprisonerproject.org, um, we have a whole page about how you can get involved. Um, so we have volunteer opportunities. Um, we have opportunities for folks that have been impacted by prohibition to share their stories. A huge piece of what we do is around education and awareness and just sharing more stories. I hear so often from folks, it really changed my perception to see just how many people have been impacted by this and how many people I actually know have been impacted or that look like me. You know, I mean, our constituents come from all walks of life and their mothers and fathers, their grandfathers. Um, and so I think it really resonates with folks to actually see these stories um, and learn more about them. Um, but another big way that folks can get involved and really make a difference, um, we have a lot of awareness campaigns for uh, particular constituents. Um, one right now is Michael Thompson. Michael has been serving, he's served 25 years Uh, in Michigan for a nonviolent cannabis offense. He is serving a 60 year sentence. So essentially a life sentence. He's now 69 years old. He has type two diabetes. So he's particularly at risk of contracting COVID. And mind you, this is in Michigan. So in a fully legal state with an industry that's coming up with a progressive seeming governor, um, Michael is sitting in prison. And, you know, the resources that the state is putting into keeping him incarcerated, despite the fact that he poses no threat to public safety. He has had an immaculate record since he's been incarcerated, which is incredibly difficult to do. He has been a mentor to his fellow inmates during his time. Um, He's just one of the most incredible people that I've ever met. Um, And so we in January, submitted his clemency petition. Um, We worked with some other advocacy groups, Sean King, um, to kind of get Michael's story out there. And through that work, we got over 20,000 people to write letters and call the governor's office. Um, And unfortunately, it did not get the governor to release Michael, but it actually got the county prosecutor, whose office had prosecuted the case, to come on to support our clemency petition. That is an incredibly rare thing to have happen. Um, And that we know happened because we got tons of people to make their voices heard and push this office to call for Michael's freedom. Um, So now that the prosecutors come on board, we're trying to re-engage our network our supporters, and get the governor to do the right thing and let Michael out. Um, So if you go on our website, go on our social media, you'll see kind of calls to action. We try to make it really easy for folks. Um, We've got a sample script. We've got all the numbers to call, what to say. um, And, you know, of course, you can do that from your home, on your computer. If you've got a cell phone, if you've got a landline, you can really help us to make a difference and to get Michael free.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful story. And I've seen it actually circulating a lot on social media, which is another thing I encourage people to do is is if you don't have money to donate, just share these things, share the information, follow organizations like Last Prisoner Project. If you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or wherever you are, just a simple follow is is helpful because at least you'll get educated. So those are things that we also encourage people to do. So Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing this information with us. I hope everyone has the chance to digest and learn and and then educate others as well. And we just appreciate what you're doing so much.
2: Yeah, and again, thank you guys. Thank you for the raffle. Uh, Super exciting for us to be working with you guys. And again, just working to really educate folks, bring awareness to this issue. So thank you guys for using your platform to do that of
0: course that's that's our mission and actually the rest of this month our our mission is to amplify black voices and black businesses in the cannabis space so we're really excited to start sharing those stories after this episode so um well sarah thank you so much and let's raise a whole bunch of money in the raffle
2: (laughs) awesome thank you emily have a good day all right you too
1: that was this Sarah Gershon talking to you. Strawberry Sequoia from The Last Prisoner Project. She's awesome. The Last Prisoner Project is awesome. We are very much behind what they are trying to do. Again, the war on drugs is a war on black lives, and it's completely fucked up, and we're tired of it, and we're over it. So we're going to amplify the stories. We're going to keep it part of the conversation. We're not just going to sit back and play from the sidelines. We're going to play in the game
0: in the game so i did want to say one comment about some other really great organizations to support last prisoner project is certainly not the only one and people have given me some shit about supporting a white male owned organization which is fair so
1: no matter what you do there's a couple
0: really great ones last year we did a project with root and rebound
1: they are awesome female
0: owned um Leah Marr from the Weed Blog told us about minorities for medical marijuana. Another minority-owned one is Project Mission Green. Mm-hmm. We also love Drug Policy Alliance, Big Marijuana Policy, Project. These are all people that just simply by following on Instagram, you will be able to help the mission without without money. You know, Just follow them on your social media platforms. Give them a like. And you'll be able to stay informed and know what's going on. So you can help if it is, you know, if you have time, money, whatever you have to give. Yep. So I always just encourage people to to just follow people, at organizations like that.
1: Yeah. And this can be part of the process that is education for people that might not be aware of what's going on out there and you know you are involved in the cannabis space educate yourself about the history know know your roots know where this all came from know why it's illegal know why we have prohibition and know where it's founded and there's a lot of these organizations that we'll be working with uh throughout this process the we're calling it the amplify series here on the Mary Jane experience podcast um who who really are doing great work, and, and they are a very educational source. So again, you can vote with your social media platform just by liking, sharing, and commenting on these platforms. Uh, so go follow them, they're awesome, they're doing great work, they're doing truly, truly great work, and we are supporting them this way. So yeah.
0: And also, as we've already said five times, get yourself a raffle ticket, it's on our marketplace. If you look at the top little bar, there's a thing that just says raffle ticket, you click on that and you will see a, for $1, you can buy a raffle ticket and it'll show you all the cool prizes you get to enter to win. It's over $1,000 in prizes. We're going to put together a couple packages so you have a few chances to win. And while you're at it, check out our marketplace. I have to say it because that is you know, one of the very few ways that we... keep this project going is by your support on our marketplace and we have a couple really cool new products coming out so we're really excited to show you some of these unique smoking accessories and we're selling hemp plants we have apparel um, a lot of really cool things jewelry from artisans all over and we're actually working really hard right now with a bunch of black owned and minority owned brands to populate the marketplace with a more inclusive product base um but to give ourselves a little credit it's like almost 90 percent women-owned companies hey hey. so yeah so check out our marketplace you know it's it's just one small way to help us to help you get the information that we think is important
1: yeah and support our little baby project area that we're growing every day in a very organic fashion so we thank you for your support we thank you for listening
0: And dog food for daisy jane
1: yeah if, you, if you'd if you like to feed Daisy Jane, just go buy a ball. She's so
0: hungry. <laughs> just kidding. Our neighbor called her Chubbs because she's so fat.
1: <laughs> All right. Enough beating up on the dog. All she right. just likes eating. She's perfect. Anyway, thank you very much again for listening. Like we said, we are not going to take a break. We cannot take a break at these times. So we are going to continue on with the series, the Uplift series.
0: Different format. So bear with us. We yep. are just going <clears throat> to run these interviews without even intros and outros. Sometimes we might... But in order to get as many stories out as possible, we are just going to run the raw, unedited interv- unedited interviews so that you can learn about as many black-owned businesses, stories, and the whole shebang. So, you know, let us know what you think.
1: Stay tuned. And if you have someone you'd want to hear from on the podcast, by all means, let us know. We'll be happy to interview anybody, anybody about what is going on currently. So with that... Almost anyone. Almost anyone. He sells
0: anyone, but I'm a lot yeah. more picky.
1: That's fair enough. Um, info um,
0: at maryjaneexperience is the email to reach out to. There's a contact form on our website as well. Thank you again so much for listening.
1: Like, follow, share, subscribe. Get your news from us, the trusted source in cannabis. Anyway, love you.
0: <laughs> Peace out. Love you guys. Heads.
1: Good night, stoners.